Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether are you looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast. Today, we're going to look at the push and pull effect between the CTO and CIO function. So CTO stands for Chief Technology Officer and CIO for Chief Information Officer. It's always important to highlight abbreviations because when I started my career out in NATO and several years into my position, I was lost with all the abbreviation. And you want to look smart and not stupid, so you act like you understand until it has a hazardous effect when you misunderstood the abbreviation. So always recommend to everyone, no matter how evident it seems to you, always spell out the abbreviation to save any troubles later on. Back to the episode. So we're going to look at the push and pull effect. These are two important and valuable functions in any STEM company or company that has a lot of STEM functions within their organization because it helps put the organization on an innovation pedestal. It really pushes and boosts the uh, competitive edge, but also keeping the information safe and secure and rooted in a solid infrastructure. This is the desired end state, of course. Not all companies, organizations are on that phase of their digital transformation journey. So often what happens is both have perceived conflicting, conflictual interests, which causes healthy, competitive uh, nature of a relationship But the problem becomes when there is conflict and a healthy turns into unhealthy and sometimes even destructive. So I'm going to use the emotional intelligence approach, the EQ elevator, to look at if you resonate, whether you're a CIO or CTO and you resonate between this push and pull effect, that these insights might help you to create a healthier, a more constructive conflictual relationship because I think tension is important in order to push ourselves towards innovation, but still healthy tension that keeps the business goals in mind, keeps the well-being of both the CTO and CIO and their teams in mind as well, and not turning it into Game of Thrones or uh, Gladiator Arena. So first, let's look at some of the challenges that the CIO and CTO functions face often. If you are a company that have 
it has both functions. Not every company has both functions, actually. Some companies even have only a CIO that is responsible for all three functions, meaning innovation technology, so outward focus, information technology structure, the solid, robust IT systems, inwards focused, and the security of the IT, uh, which is often dealing with cybersecurity, which is typically a chief security officer or chief information security officer role. So it all depends what type of responsibilities and functions you're performing. Now, some of the challenges that cause or that both CTOs and CIOs face and that cause this push and pull effect is first aligning priorities. CTOs, CIOs have different priorities in general. Again, CTOs focus typically on the technological advancements, while CIOs are more concerned with the IT infrastructure and the reliability and effectiveness of the IT experience of the employees. So these are already two opposing directions. One is outwards focus. How can we become better, more competitive than our competitors, higher innovation potential? And the other one is how can we stabilize what we already have and make it work well? Communication is also a challenge and uh, communication and collaboration. Often we think that communication has happened when we utter the words out of our mouth, but actually communication, you can never over-communicate because even when you communicate, it doesn't mean the message has landed in the way you wanted it to land in the other person's mind. There are a lot of factors that influence the communication process. And here's where emotional intelligence is important because our mood, our bias, our thinking, our feelings influence the way we perceive the world and the way we perceive communication. We process information based on our mental model. And the brain is always filtering out a lot of information because we receive so much information from the outside through our senses. So not only to what we hear, but to what we see, to what we feel, right? Our nervous system picks up a lot of information and it's impossible to translate all of the information in real time. So our brain deletes, distorts, and generalizes a lot of information to make sure our mental energy is optimal. And this is where, when we experience a deficit, we revert to stress response and we do what is minimal energy. And it's a very unconscious process often. This is why I think listening to podcasts, having conversations, reflecting so important when we are not in stress mode, when we feel calm and grounded, because then we are much more receptive and open to information that initially or usually would trigger us because it will trigger us more when we feel stressed. This is an important part, but you cannot have a healthy relationship or strong relationship if you don't invest in healthy communication and collaboration strategies, also through reflection first. The other one is how do they balance innovation stability? I touched upon this already in the first challenge. CTOs are usually focused 
outwards, advancing the organization, new shiny things. Here, maybe I am exaggerating, but it's really boosting the innovation potential to retain or even advance their competitive edge in their market, while CIOs are usually more stabilizing. How can we build strong IT systems that work well and stabilize what we have instead of introducing new technologies? Which also brings me to change management. I always say change happens to us, disruptions happen within us. Every time you introduce a new technology, it requires a new skill set from the people side to use it. People who have low levels of flexibility may face or may give you a lot of resistance because they are unwilling to leave what is familiar or it will take a lot of time. And if you push them too soon or if you force them without investing in proper change management adapted for people, they may make a lot of errors and then increase your human service attack and the vulnerabilities that come with it when using technology in this hybrid working environment. So you have people who have higher levels of flexibility. Those are your tech change champions. They can assist others who they resonate with to reduce the resistance. So it's important to keep in mind that change management is an issue because the CIO focuses on getting people to use the existing technology while the CTO focuses on introducing new technologies to stay ahead of the competition or boost their innovation potential. So it creates a dichotomy. Obviously, cybersecurity and data privacy, CTO's function may be seen as risk introducing higher cyber risk, while CIO is trying to reduce the cyber risk. And these create, again, opposing beliefs and conflictual factors. I don't know if that also was a, a sentence we can use, conflictual factors. Perhaps, if not, then you can assign a petition to introduce Nadia's invented words into the Merriam-Webster di dictionary. <laughs> the other challenge is obviously that puts a lot of pressure on companies in STEM or with STEM functions are compliance regulation, especially now with the digital transformation and the acceleration. There's a lot of regulation. Ethics are playing a more important role. We see this with AI now. There is a plea for halting or reversing the fast progress of AI because of its potential impact that not everyone really grasps yet. And there are several dimensions and factors to look at, to research, to really reflect on. What impact will this have on our society? I think these debates have already been going on for several years, but we only tend to listen when S hits the fan and when it's already there because short-term preparation, which is part of life because this we see all over the world when we see challenges. Uh, when we see conflict, for example, a lot of strategists, operational planners see this coming for many years, but then the politicians won't listen because of several campaign factors until it's too late and then we have debates that could have been avoided. Now, just to give you a comparison that we have to also meet people where they are. How can you, bringing it back to the CIO and CTO push and pull, because I was going a little bit off track here, is that the challenges have the same 
impact on the CIO and CTO function as human beings. And this is where you will find common ground in order to look at it through an emotional intelligence lens, resonate with it on the same level in order to find common ground and move forward in a more harmonious way. And I don't mean hakuna matata, everything will be okay. I do believe some tension is important. Constructive conflict is important in order to sustain higher levels of creativity. It is only when we feel discomfort that we are pushed out of our comfort zone and that our creativity levels and innovation potential grow. Now with that, let's look at the EQ elevator. The first floor is the self-regard floor. And here, for both the CIO and CTO function to look at it, not necessarily from, do I have confidence in myself? How do I view myself? But how do they view their function and articulate it by themselves first? Do they view the CTO function in direct opposition with the CIO function? What specifically do they view as in direct opposition? And same thing for CIO. What is it that the CIO views in direct opposition of the CTO's function? So not from a personal perspective, so we depersonalize the situation at first in order to look at it from a more practical and reflective perspective without bringing in any personal grievances or bias that we have about the other person, but about the function. What is it that we view that is in direct opposition with our function? Without judgment, with curiosity. If you are trained to, with a certain specific skill set within a certain function, that is your map of the world. It's only normal that you operate and you function from this map of the world and that you see everything else as opposite or as threatening or as hampering perhaps and it's an normal initial reaction now opening our minds and expanding our perspectives requires to come from a place of reflection not reaction otherwise we will go back we know we can go forward two steps and then go back ten steps so first use the first floor the eq tool of self-regard what do i see in direct opposition of the other function and then the second floor use the tool of empathy. Now behind every conflict or conflict of interest, there is a need that is not being met. So think first about what are your needs. And the reason why I say it is not because I want you to be more selfish and uh, egocentric. People may think, Nadia, you're talking about empathy. Isn't empathy about understanding the other person? It is. But if you first start with understanding the other person before you have understood yourself, you're probably going to feel more resentment and more judgment than applying curiosity and truly trying to understand the other person because you're still reverting subconsciously back to what is what are your needs. So first start with your needs so you can make sure to be fully present and focus on their needs as a second step. What needs do you have as a CTO or CIO that are not being met. For example, as a CTO, you need more resources to invest in the technology and remain innovative. So that is one need that you have. The CIO, 
you want people to use the technology well, to use it in a responsible way, so you can actually build a solid infrastructure. That is your need. And when and maybe those needs are not met, especially when those needs are not met, this is where negative emotions arise because we want our needs met. However, we don't necessarily are always equipped or have the right way to meet those needs and then we project it turns into conflict. The second phase of the second floor, empathy, is now switch this exercise and think about the other person's need as a functional perspective, not their personal needs, because that's a whole different podcast. This is not the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> but what is the other function's need? So when you are CIO, look at the CTO, step in the world of the CTO's perspective. What are they trying to meet? What are their needs? Right? They are not trying to oppose you. They're trying to advance the organization's potential. Same thing for the CTO. When you look at the CIO, they are not trying to be a pebble in your shoe. They are trying to keep the organization stable. That is their need. That is their map of the world. So when you do this again from a reflective practice, reflective nature, you will feel less negative emotions and you will see things more clearer than when you are in the midst of having these discussions in a very stressful environment because you're always pressured to finish all the things that you need to finish and manage. These senior executives are always pulled in multiple directions. So it creates pressure mentally, but also emotionally and physically, even if we're not aware of it. The third floor is an excellent way to uncover our own bias and stereotype beliefs. Here we need to be very self-aware and cultivate self-awareness with compassion because when we see something about ourselves that we think will be judged as wrong, it creates discomfort, it creates a negative emotion. So we try to run away from it or suppress it instead of looking at it. And if we're going to look at it from a place of stress and reaction, it's just going to get worse. So the third floor is neutral observer. We're going in without any assumption or judgment as much as possible. So imagine you see a scenario playing out where you have a conflictual discussion with the other. So in this case, it's the CTO, CTO and CIO who speak correct English, by the way, or who at least understand each other. And, and, and look at the, your behaviors, right? Look at your body language. Do you have a body posture that perhaps may be defensive? I mean, often when people have their hands closed or close to their body or their arms one over the other, it means unreceptiveness. I'm not willing to listen. Not always. I, I, I don't want to turn this into a body language expert, but I do believe that looking at it through a, a body language lens can give you a lot of clarity as well. But just your body posture the well, so don't try to analyze much the other person, but look at yourself and look at what impact it has on the other. So perhaps when you see yourself and you feel defensive and your body is reflecting that, the other person obviously can pick up on that. Vibes don't lie. 
is important. We forget that 70% is often non-verbal communication. It's not two words, but it's the energy we project and how we position ourselves as well. Vibes don't lie. Look at perhaps how you speak, your tone of voice. This is another interesting fact. Often conflict arises not related to the issue at hand, but our perception about the other person and the tone of voice. I see this with my son all the time. He continues to trigger me because that is offspring's job. And when I'm tired or when I'm not in the mood or when I'm really focused with my cognitive intelligence in designing scenarios or doing something that requires a lot of uh, focus and he comes and disturbs me, I can really react based on that. And then my voice tone increases in intensity unconsciously. So I really trained myself to become aware and to do it less. I still do it. I'm not going to change completely. I don't think we can, but we can become aware and just be more mindful so we can create a more harmonious dynamic between, in my case, my, my family, my son and I, but also in the workplace. Because you spend a lot of time at work and you spend a lot of time with your colleagues, right? You don't have to be a family, but you can be respectful and mindful of each other's needs in order to create a higher quality of life in the workplace. Then you can also go on the fourth floor. The fourth floor is important in this case because both of the needs of a CTO and CIO are trying to meet the same overarching umbrella need, which is what is best for the business. How will it advance the business bottom line? The CTO is trying to make the you know, company innovative, more innovative. The CIO is trying to stabilize and make the company work well in a secure and safe way. And if these two goals and objectives are seen as opposite, it's going to continue to create conflict. But if they are seeing, seen as coexistent, meeting the same business bottom line need, then you can pull those conflicting beliefs more as a harmonizing need. So think about it in terms of how can you put your needs, articulate them, not in how does this help me as a CTO, but how does this help the business? And then together you can look at all those different needs that you have, put them in the business context, and then they will be actually less conf perceived conflictual because it's not necessarily about CIO anymore or the CTO, but about business bottom line. And then you can look at the fifth floor, which is more the macro environment and understand that the challenges of the macro environment impact you the same, especially compliance and regulatory landscape. Right? The CTO needs to advance and innovate in highly complex restrictive regulatory environment often when it comes to STEM. Same thing for the CIO when it comes to ethical use of technology, cybersecurity, data privacy. So these are challenges where you can actually bond over because they impact you the same way, but they translate in different outcomes. 
So these are the five floors that you can use. So first floor, self-regard. Second floor, empathy. Third floor is observer, to look at it from a place of curiosity, non-attachment, no stereotypes. Fourth floor is how to put your needs into advancing the business bottom line. And fifth floor is the macro environment and bond over the external challenges that put the same pressure on both functions. I hope this episode has been useful for you. Thank you for following me, subscribing, and I look forward to the next one. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.